This episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast was brought to you by Navigating North, a five-day virtual summit to help you discover your purpose in business, life, and leadership. Learn more at navigatingnorthsummit.com. All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. Welcome to Episode 12 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe, and I'm elated to bring you today's episode of the podcast. Let me share why. Almost five years ago to the date of this airing is when I first met our guest, Tom Winninger. I heard him speak about gifting and provide an explanation that was the best explanation of gifting I'd ever heard. And and it stuck with me and I've shared it multiple times since. Then about a month ago, an email caught my eye announcing a book about to be released. I reached out to Tom and invited him to join us here on the Higher Purpose Podcast, and I'm so excited for us to have this conversation and for you to have an opportunity to get your copy of Your True DNA, Discovering God's Gift Within You, before it hits the street. Now, to today's conversation. Tom, what a pleasure and a privilege to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast and to introduce you to my friends and my friends to you. So before we dive in and start talking about this new book, which I'm not even going to introduce yet, what's something you'd like us to know about you that would help us to get to know you better before we start talking about the book? Uh, In my years of experience in life and relationships and community, I've discovered that failure or success is never the road to meaning. In other words, whether I fail or whether I succeed, I rarely get to meaning unless I understand where meaning comes from in your life. So I've had success and I've had failure. And in both those situations, I did not find meaning and fulfillment and joy. There you go. Wow. Okay, folks. Now that right there, that's kind of a teaser for how this conversation is going to go. And this is why I wanted to bring Tom to the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'll say more about this in a few moments, but Tom truly has a way with words. Tom, you you just have a way of making very uh, subtle but significant distinctions uh, that that probably a lot of folks haven't really thought that much about. So uh, meaning wasn't found in success or failure. Right. It's found in the application of purpose. Hmm. And purpose is found in the discovery of gift. And so in all this, in the midst of all the success I purportedly had in my career, or the failures that tend to spur me on to try harder than I ever tried in my career, until I realize that there's something missing Hmm. that brings us to meaning and fulfillment and joy, I don't have anything. So you can have everything and nothing. That's what basically came to me in my life. Okay, so there was the the backstory behind the book. The book is Your True DNA, Discovering God's Gift Within You. The backstory behind the book, I believe, was a Tuesday morning in Texas about 16 years ago that was in many ways like most most every other Tuesday morning you'd been having. But what was different? What happened different that day? 
I was overcome with a lack of meaning in my life and purpose. In other words, I woke up and I said, here I am doing another thing for another group in another town only to get on a plane and do the same thing in another town tomorrow and then the same thing in the next town tomorrow, the next day. And I woke up that way, Dan, I said, we're in the midst of all this is the purpose mm. and the meaning, mm. fulfillment and joy. And I didn't know. Mm. I just had to get myself through that day realizing that I was empty, but I had to be full for this audience. And I did it. I mean, the, the, the most critical day in my own life I believe I've ever had was that day. To know that maybe I am nothing trying to bring everything to somebody who thinks I have everything. <laughs> and I don't know if that's confusing or not, but... Well, let's say that again. Okay. So in other words, I had nothing to bring to an audience who thought I had everything. When as I approached that audience to get on the stage, I was empty, not full. Mm. Mm. Because I realized my success was not my fullness. Right. And in, in reality, my success was not who I was. And so, you know, as you look around my facade here and, and you see things on the walls and plaques and awards and trinkets and all these things, that's not what I am. But I didn't know what I was. Oh, I knew I was a good guy. Yeah. I knew I had a level of faith in my life. I knew I had a great family that I loved deeply. That doesn't mean I served them well. I had these things, these tangibilities. But if I was all by myself in an empty, mm -hmm. in a vacuum, mm -hmm. what did I have? Mm. What did I bring that was bigger than anything I'd been bringing for all these years to the platform. That was the beginning of the journey. And I can't tell you why it happened on that day, at that moment, in that location. But I remember vividly that day, that location in my mind and heart, because that's what launched me to figure out how to get to really nothing so I could discover what the something was. Because it's better to be in liminal space for self-discovery than to be in full space and try to figure out what the fullness is that's supposed to be important here. Okay, help us with the word liminal for those that... Liminal space, and you can look this up. You can, you can Wikipedia this, I liminal have. space. Okay, good. <laughs> it's a space between two points. Yeah. It's, a sp it's, it's like after a career ends and before another career starts. It's like the gap between yesterday and today. It's like the, the gap between a relationship, lose a relationship, the space after the loss of relationship is what's referred to theologically as liminal space. It's a space to be by self without action, mm. without objective. And the challenge most of us do is we try to reduce liminal space to make it as short and small and ineffective as possible by immediately trying to return to what we had before liminal space happened. Right. Or prevent it altogether. Seriously, or ha like me, that was typical of me. What I would do is I, I believe in having 16 things going so anything that failed wouldn't shove me into liminal space because mm. I always had something else to hang on to. It's like having 16 rowboats tied to your big boat so you know there's a boat. Mm. Well, maybe it's better not to have the 16 boats tied to your big boat yeah. because then you don't focus on the here and now. You don't live in the moment. Mm. You're always living somewhere else. And truth comes in the moment, right? 
Yeah. If I'm not in the moment, I'm in the past, and that's regret, typically. If I'm not in the moment, I'm in the future, that, that's fear and hope. And so I never get in the moment. This morning, on October 24th, in Grapevine, Texas, began my liminal space. Mm. And it's hard, and it's painful. And that's why people come to me, and they'll, they'll, they'll be in pain and grief because of a relationship or a job that ended. And they can't get into the moment. Mm. They can't get into the liminal space piece. So I understand perfectly how that feels. It doesn't have to be a tragedy that takes you there, but sometimes it is a tragedy right. that wakes us up to the reality. Right. Well, there you go. But then there's sometimes that it's just out of the blue, as it was with you. Absolutely. Sometimes, like St. Paul walking along, along the road, something divine intention or interruption grabs you, throws you to the ground and says, now try to get up by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a divine joke, by the way. <laughs> try to get up by yourself. All right. So the journey from that morning in Texas to the release of the book that, that happens in a couple of weeks, right. what are some of the highlights there connected to the book? Well, the, the, the thing that came to me within the three days after that event, because I was on the road for three days, so as you know, I had all this time to sit in a plane seat and all this time to sit in a hotel trying to figure this out. It went back to something that I experienced in college, and it's called Ignatian examination. It, it is a, it's a theological principle created by Ignatius Loyola that said, take a piece of scripture in the morning, reflect on the piece of scripture, ask yourself a question to live with during the day, and then write down what the answer was you got to the question during the day. And that's the first step I started. I started trying to focus on today, what I'm experiencing today, what's coming to me today. And then the next step of that was to take every 30 days and look to where the convergence was. So in other words, you take 30 days of analyzing what's coming to you and you begin to see repetition, convergence. And you, so in other words, you write this down each night, you take a piece of scripture. I don't care if it's scripture or a page out of some book that touches you. And you bring a question like, please help me understand today where my life is speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, in examination, you write down the answer to what came to you that day about where life is speaking to you. Mm. And I'll give you the first one I got was, it's not about the platform, Tom. It's about who you are on the platform, Tom. That was the first convergence that came to me in this 30 days. So who am I was it. And then the question started becoming, who am I in the reality of my being? Mm. And then I discovered that, because, like everybody, you know, there's a thousand books out there, Kevin, on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I read numerous ones because I thought that if I could align myself with somebody who discovered purpose, I would discover purpose. (laughs) But I found out that purpose is something inside of you, not outside of you. In other words, I can't ask somebody else what my purpose is. And I can't compare myself with somebody else to discover what my purpose is. Differentiation is not in comparison. There is no uniqueness in comparing yourself to another person to try to figure out your own uniqueness. It doesn't work. It's philosophical. It's psychological. It's, if that's a word, it's theological. I had to get inside of myself to listen to myself, my true self. And what came to me was purpose is not the object. It's the outcome. 
of gift. The better I know what I can do without thinking about it, something that was given to me when I was created. And in application of that gift, I will discover my purpose. And in applying my purpose in every piece of my life, I discover my call. And from my call, I place my career. So in other words, call makes no difference on what career you apply it in. Right. So if I'm unpacking truth, which apparently is my gift, and I say apparently because if gift comes from divine intent, we never totally will understand it. We just dance with it. It's like music. Keep the music playing and keep doing it. And that's where what I call confirmation comes from. So the closer you get to confirmation, the better you see how it's applied in all parts of your life. Because I can't have a gift if it can only be applied in my work. It's got to be applied in my relationships. You see my service commitments, my faith orientation. And so that's what came to me over that next 36-month period of time. Well, and, and Tom, that's what connected me to you. Um, I actually went back and looked through my notes last week. Um, I met you in October of 2012 at a session oh. for NSA Georgia, National Speakers Association, right. the Georgia chapter. And there was one thing that you said that stood out to me. And, and Tom, I have referenced it hundreds of times to other people in, in the intervening five years here. And when I went back and looked at the notes, I was really astounded that it was kind of like a sub bullet. It wasn't even mm. your key points. It wasn't the, the, the thrust of your topic. It was just kind of like you went down this little tangent and you said this, but that's what captured me. And it was this about gift. And I don't remember how you said it. I remember what I heard that, that you're gifted to do. You don't understand it. You can't explain it. You can't deconstruct it and teach it to others. It's just there naturally or supernaturally. Mm -hmm. And and that helped me. It was was the most clarity that I'd ever heard gifting explained. Uh, So unpack that. And that's what this book, the book that you're about to release is your true DNA. Uh, discovering God's gift within you. And you describe DNA as divine natural attribute. That's right. The gift. That's correct. So, and natural in, in the reality of truth is supernatural. Right. All natural is created, and that is divine. So the beauty of it is what is your supernatural attribute? Singularly, singularly. So basically what came to me in reflection and application over all these years, I mean, this has been, you know, this is like a multiple PhD experience and all these years it's taken me to get to the point where I finally committed to write it in the book was if, if gift is gift, then it's natural or supernatural. So you don't understand it. Yeah. So it comes to you without understanding. And the only way you understand you have it is by applying it without thinking about applying it which means third, you cannot explain it to anybody. So in other words, if, if I had to explain how I unpack truth to get to the simple reflections we need to have to take it into our daily life and live the reality of our call, I couldn't tell you how I do that. And interestingly enough, I did it for 30 years in the secular world and working for corporate America's manufacturers with dealer organizations. I basically took John Deere and said, the truth of John Deere is about making the farmer's life easier. I don't know where that came from. It came from thinking, analyzing, unpacking 
all the interviews I did with John Deere dealers around the country. And it came to me that it's about your life, yeah. farmer. It's not about your business, farmer. And when I tested that, the farmer agreed. He said, my, my, my farm is my life, not my business. Right. And I need you to make it easier because it's hard. And if you want to attach a tractor to that, that's great. If you want to attach a, a planter to that, that's great. If you want to attach service to that, that's great. But what I want to get out of it is making my life easier. So figure out how to do that. And then I will have loyalty. And then I will have commitment to green. And the beauty of that was when I went back, just as an aside, and read the biography of John Deere, I discovered that that was John's original intent. Huh that his original described intent as he told his customers buying stainless steel plows was, this will make your life easier. Hmm. It was embedded in the created nature of the company or his service dynamic. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. And I find that with most companies I work with, it was embedded in the founding purpose. Right. And so it's kind of like us. So you can't explain it. It came to you naturally. You can apply it in all parts of your life. In other words, the gift the gift is not sequestered to a single part of your life. Yeah. It brings you energy that you don't have. So you look at somebody and you say, why? My goodness, he has so much energy. Why does he have all this energy? It's probably because he or she is very close to applying their gift. And when that happens, it's fueled by, by energy, which I believe comes from the grace of knowing what it is or getting close to what it is. So you have all this happening. And, and so you and I become an observer on the journey of our gift. Isn't that interesting? It, yeah, yeah. So I've spent the rest of my life just continuing to apply and confirm my gift. Yeah. And the minute I step away from the gift, the minute I change the purposing of my gift, my interest wanes, my energy goes down, and part of my life seems to be falling apart when the rest of my life seems to be okay. So in other words, all the pieces don't converge anymore because you're starving off mm. part of your sector of your life mm. with mm. the benefit that you were brought into the world to give. Yeah, interesting. So, so let me just cover a basic. Yeah. Everyone is gifted. Is that correct? Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift. Everyone no has a gift. Out on the and day be- some of us feel or have felt at points in life that everybody else on the planet is gifted but not me. That's right. But that's just not true. Is that what you're saying? That's not true. <laughs> I'll guarantee it. <laughs> well, I can sit. I can sit with anybody, anywhere, yeah. for thirty minutes, yeah. and help them come up with their gift, and well, then challenge them to confirm that the rest of their life. I think we need to confirm to to make that very clear because, like I say, Tom, there have been times in my life that I've felt, yeah, that's true for everybody but me. But it's true for everybody. It's a it's universal true for everybody. So if, if well, where would you start in helping someone identify the gift? Well, in the, I do these little things called talk with Toms. I, I've yep. done them for a number of years, actually, because people come to me with something and I typically find they have hard times or they have confused times. You know, they came out of college spending a lot of money on a career that they didn't like because their parents seem to think that's what they should be doing. Uh, so they're lost. And these young kids, I speak at a few youth conferences and kids come up to me. I certainly speak at adult conferences and typically people 45 or 50 will come up and say, you know, I, I've had a great career. 
my job has been my life. Uh, my job doesn't enhance my life anymore. Um, I'm getting close to something and I'm, I'm just absolutely confused. I do these talks with Tom's. They run about 50 minutes. And all I do, basically, I don't want to simplify this, because, but divine gift is simplified, is I have them talk about themselves. What do, they, what do they do that comes to them easily? And if you record them or you record yourself being interviewed in this pattern, you will find places where your energy picks up yeah. in the recording. You get more excited. You lean forward. Your body gives some kind of message. And then I go back to those and I listen to them again and I, ask, I send it to them and have them listen to it and then challenge them to come up with 24 words that describes what they were talking about when that came up. Hmm. And that's where we start. And then we try to take the 24 words or three or four you know, paragraphs or whatever they want to write down and we move it to three or four words. The, the less words, the more powerful mm -hmm. in terms of impact. So that's that's basically what I do. All right. So it's and and I don't know how to put that. There's pieces of this that's hard to put in the book. Yeah. It does explain that process in the book, though. Yes, it does. <clears throat> yeah. Um, for me, I think of. Do you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? Oh, sure, sure. I think of those as Eric Little moments. Mm -hmm. When when I brush up against it, and I remember a few years ago coming out of a full day session with a client that should have been exhausting and instead right. exhilarating. And at dinner, I was sitting there talking with uh, one of the organizers, and and they said something, and and I said, you know, for me, they said, how do you feel right now? This was a grueling day. I said, oh, it was an Eric Little moment. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, Eric Little said, you know, I was born to be a missionary to China, I believe it was. He said, but God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Oh, so yeah, it's doing you. those things, right? that gifting thing, that all of a sudden, you're like, wow, they're, I brushed up against that, right? as you say. And That's very good. That's and very well stated. There was this energy where for other people, it would have been brutalizing, but not, right. not when you're in your gifting and your gifting. Exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. Well, Tom, there are a couple of other things that I want to <clears throat> cover. You mentioned one of these earlier when I read your book and I told you this in, in a previous conversation, I wish I'd written these six words. I just thought these were just, this was a profound sentence to be as, as complete as it is. In his few words, uniqueness is never identified in comparison. Right. Now, uh, you went on to say comparison only leads to judgment, fostering competitive instincts. But let's explore that some because we live in a world today where I think it's easier than ever to compare yourself mm. because mm. – you got all these social media images out there and you're looking at the highlight reels of someone else's life on Facebook or Instagram. Right. And you're looking at the play by and movies. Life. I mean, how many times do we watch movies and we try to identify role models in the movies? Yeah. And then we discover them in their real life and we discover they never were a role model for you. <laughs> but that's the first thing people do. That's why that truth is so important. The first thing that people typically do when they feel there's no purpose in their life is they go talk to other people to figure out what their purpose should be. Yeah. There's yeah. two mistakes we make. Number one, we go to try to find people who have purpose in their life and how they can explain it and found out most people don't and have not defined the purpose in their life. And, yeah. and number two is to ask them, 
what they think our purpose should be. And, and sometimes this falls into a networking pattern that tends to make you more frustrated than ever. Right. If, if gift is unique and only uh, enhanced by the uniqueness of the opportunities that come to your life, you are doubly unique. Yeah. Pick up on that. So in other words, your gift might, other people might be able to unpack truth so it can be used in daily life. But the opportunities that I encounter as a result of my path add another layer of uniqueness to my gift. Right. So then it becomes a mixed outcome. Nobody can compare then because not everybody has the same gift and not everybody has the same opportunities. Right. So I use different words when I'm talking about that. Okay. Um, but, but I love the word you're using. I just talk about journey. No yeah. one else has, has shared the journey you have. So there have been experiences in your journey that are completely unique to, to the application exactly. of your gift and the pursuit of your purpose. Yeah, so no one else is like that. All right, that's so right. compare. I call those opportunities. Well, and that's where we'll I want to go next, my friend, okay. because when I'm reading that, and, and I have shared this with a couple of friends. So Tom was gracious to provide me an, ex, an advanced copy of the book. Wow. Your truth, <laughs> you know. uh, no, and it was what you know, I read preparing for today. It was a little rough, but it, it, it's been cleaned up. <laughs> but I loved this. I loved the distinction. Mm -hmm. between opportunities and possibilities. That's another part of that language thing that I just think you do so masterfully. So unpack the, the or compare and contrast opportunities and possibilities for us because I believe many of us have lived our life in pursuit of the possibility. That's correct. That is what I came down to in my analysis. So, and, and you know, the first thing you do is you look at your own life and say, how much of this did I do for myself? And how much of this was done for me? And all I was supposed to do was participate. Mm. And I found out that my whole sheet of paper was filled up with stuff that I did for myself that never brought me to a point of meaning. And so I defined that as pos uh, possibilities. So in other words, we create, and I did the language to help people understand the difference. And even myself, I mean, most of this book, like many books, is written to yourself, is that I spent a great amount of energy and time setting goals which created the possibilities in my life. Mm -hmm. In the midst of being very good at doing that, I missed what I call the opportunities in my life. And those were things that uniquely were given to me. And you either blow by them or they're so impactful that you grab them when they come by and engage yourself deeply in them, or, or you revisit them. So in other words, your possibilities aren't working and you remember an opportunity and you go back to them. And so you find both things. So uh, simply... Uh, I, th I believe opportunities are divine intent, yeah. and, uh, and I believe that they come when you're close to the path, and I believe we are not called to make decisions about them. We are called to engage them, to embrace them, to dig deeply into them. I believe that what happened to me in October of 2001 was an opportunity that I could have run from, mm. but it was so impactful because I was at the point. It's like we never clean anything up until everything gets so dirty. We have to clean it up. You know, that my life was at such and such a point that I had to do something different. And yet I didn't know what to do differently. And I didn't know what that meant. It's like somebody saying, well, I've got to move somewhere because I can't live in this house any longer, but you can't figure out where you're moving before you decide to sell your house. And so you go to nothing because there's no pathing to that. Okay. So that hopefully that helps. 
So another distinction, sentence, people are so busy trying to become something they, that they miss being somebody. Right, right. Well, and the point of that is that innately in us is the somebody that we attach to the things that come into our life. And the more you attach the opportunity to the opportunities, the more somebody you realize you are. Like, I believe that, first of all, I'm a, a, a deeply relational person of faith. So what does that call me to do? Or what does that call me to be? In other words, and then I look at myself and I say, well, if I'm really living up to that definition, then I'm really unpacking in my own life the truths that I understand. So I can engage those truths every day. Mm -hmm. And as I engage those truths, I begin living the reality of myself, not just professing the reality of myself. So it's not just telling people what I am. It's being what I am that tells people what I am. Does that make sense? It does, but I, I want to ask you to say that one again. It's not telling people what I am. Right. It's being what I am that tells people what I am. Yeah. It's like living the reality of what you are so deeply that people get it. You don't have to tell them. So in other words, if I have to tell you how successful I am, rather than just live the reality of what success means, and to me, success is meaning, fulfillment, and joy. Mm-hmm. Those are the outcomes of true success. If and I even am reluctant to use the word success anymore. Yeah, me too. Yeah. There's another line, and I really <clears throat> thought of opening with this, but but we, we found other energy there. Life is not about change; it's about transformation. Right. Not about becoming different. It is about becoming the real self. Life is about becoming the one you were created to be. You were just almost there a moment ago, but let's go a little deeper with that because right. this That's very good. Quest, this is the quest for all of us. Is right. to, you know, to to what you were just saying. If I have to tell you, hey, I'm authentic. Well, there's something really wrong there. If I'm <laughs> to proclaim, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. It, But there's so many of us in this day and age, you know, where we're trying Mm -hmm. to find that personal identity, the personal branding. And and it just then it's hollow when we're saying it about ourselves. Right. The point is to live into it. But this whole idea of change, but it's change transformation. It's not about becoming different. It's about becoming the real self, the real you. Right. Right. And I, I think that gets back to the ability to language so people understand it differently. Because I, all of us come to the point where we say things have to change. It's a very common human statement. Things aren't working. Things have to change. I'm not happy. Things have to change. When in fact, in theology, it says change means nothing. You can go to another place and still take yourself with you. Right. That's <laughs> and be as un- you can go to another relationship and you still bring the old guy along, you know, um, and thinking that where we're going is going to change who we are. No, 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 no. Nothing changes who we are. Environments might cause us to react differently. But then I got into the study of transformation. Hmm. And that's, that is another very deep philosophical and theological principle. I mean, this is Aristotle. I mean, this is deeper than I will ever even think about being, hmm. who says that, that life is a discovery of your reality. Hmm. And, and the more of that discovery you make, the more transformed you become in everything you do because you cannot discredit discovering who you are. In other words, you can't argue with who you are. If you fight it, things don't work. Yeah. 
if you work with it, things happen and work. Hmm. And uh, transformation, I truly believe, is just unpacking the human side of us to define, to, to find the divine side of us that's not going to change. Hmm. So I can do anything I want in the whole world, but my natural tendency is to unpack complicated things so they become easy and understandable in action. That's it. That's it. One more topic I want to unpack here. You've mentioned it a couple of times, but divine intent. Yes. And and your belief that divine intent wants more for you than you will ever be able to attain for yourself. Right. Right. Two things. Number one, I have tested this. I have asked thousands of people if they believe that there's something in their life bigger than them. And I get no argument. Something in our life is bigger than us. We've all experienced it. I call it inklings. In the inkling moments, something comes to you and says, something bigger than me here. That's right. There's a power and authority bigger than me. And the history of the world claims that most people believe that. And in the depth of my faith, I believe it's my creator. In life, for people who can't align to that, I believe that it's divine intent that it is an, a non-understandable influence in your life that is steady when you're not steady. So what happens is because our humanist tends to lead us to sequester physical things in the world as part of our success. So in other words, we seek jobs, we seek houses, we seek boats, we seek cars. That's the humanness that attaches whatever we do to something that's really going away. It all goes away. Well, your gift doesn't go away. Hmm. It actually comes to you deeper hmm. as you go to it, I, if that's what you're asking me. Yeah. That's what you're asking me. So why do, we dis, why do we move away from it is because the world sticks it in our face and says, this is what's really important. You know, this double chin you have, you can take care of that, Tom. <laughs> I said, okay, and so I'll be more attractive. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's still going to go away, right? But it'll go away with me when I go away. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, Tom, there, there is so much more we, we could explore. Right. Uh, but, and I'm glad that we have an opportunity to do that in the upcoming Navigating North Summit that I'll tell our listeners about after you and I finish. But before we go, I want to go back to this because I think a lot of people are where you were on that morning in Texas. Oh, yeah. Life is full. They're all of the accoutrements of success. Right. But life feels very empty to them. What, what would you say to someone, wherever they're at in their age journey in life or wherever they're at in that, that pursuit of success, from, from where you sit and what you see now, as you understand what you've, what, what's the hope? What's the encouragement? What, what's a next step you would, would point somebody to? Well, there's really... Kevin, there's really three questions there. Number one is, what would I suggest they do? And that would be daily reflection. Daily reflection. Get into the day with yourself. I don't care what you use to bring your mind into focus, to create some contemplative factor in your life. But to me, that's, that's an exercise routine that you have to do. You have to get into the day. You ask a question in the morning and you reflect on the question, you live with the question all day, and in the evening you take a little book and you write down 
what was the answer that came to you as a result of that question today? And then you separate tomorrow, you don't think about today's, you do the same thing. And over a period of time, I like to suggest a couple of weeks or a month, you go back through what you wrote down and you circle where the convergences are. You circle where the words seem to repeat themselves and you begin there because that's the wake up to your reality. Okay, so contemplation and reflection, which I'm a big believer in. That's one. What was the second then? Number two is hope comes from some level of belief that's confirmed. Okay. So what I want to do is I belief that is confirmed. confirmed. Okay. Confirmation fuels hope. Okay. So so as I apply something, when what I apply or do somehow brings a confirmation, then my hope is fueled and I become more positive that I'm on a path to fulfillment and meaning and joy in my life. So I, you know, there's an old line that says, you are inspired in reflection and confirmed in action. So I must take something from my reflection and confirm it in action. And it might be an insight you share with a friend and the friend confirms or disconfirms it, but make sure a real friend will tell you the truth, you know, or do something that you've reflected on in your work and in your relationship and see what happens as a result of it. Did you get energy from it? Did you enliven a person's life with it? Did it lead to something positive? That's what we're looking for. So I go from reflection to, to fueling my hope with confirmation. See, I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. And then I spread the wings of the confirmation among different parts of my life. So I begin seeing how it works in each part of my life. So people say, what do you do? And I say, well, in truth, I do a lot of things. But the one thing I find I do the most is unpack some difficult situation to find out what is the thing, what's simple about it. Mm. And then I'm languaging it. Yeah. And then confirmation comes from the languaging. Yeah. Wow. Well, Tom, thanks so much. Now, there's this book, Your True DNA. People that take fast action upon hearing this podcast, when it's released, can get it for just shipping, right? That's right. I am making available the book for shipping and handling until it comes out on the 24th of October. Okay. And then that's when the bookstores will have it. Amazon will have it. Barnes Noble has it. And I'm making it available for anybody who wants to make a pre-order of the book. And you can pre-order the book very simply by going to the title of the book.com. So your true DNA.com. Your true order blank. Your true DNA.com. Correct. Your true DNA.com. And there's a lot of true DNAs out there. So you need to write it out exactly. If you search your true DNA, you get into some medical stuff. Okay. YourTrueDNA.com. And there's an order blank there. You can use PayPal or credit card for $6.33 and get it shipped directly to whoever you want to ship it to. All right. That's way beyond me, by the way. But there are people who tell me this is what happened, what's happening. <laughs> and, and Tom, for people that just want more of Tom Winninger in their life, there, there are ways to do that. But what, what's the easiest way? To- There's two ways to do it. You could go to Winninger.com. W-I-N-N-I-N-G-E-R, and you can click on Talk with Tom, or you can just email me at my name, thomas at winninger.com, and I'd be more than happy to respond back and help you any way I can. So it's thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, at winninger, 
I-N-G-E-R.com. Somebody told me years ago, it's winning with an E-R on the end. .com. <laughs> ah, there you and go. it all comes to me. So it's, it's a wonderful path. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining us. This has just been a delightful conversation. And, and I really encourage you, listener, to get the book. This book is, is it's deep, it's rich, it's engaging. But more than that, it is inspiring hope in your life. So I, I heartily recommend the book, and I appreciate thanks, Tom Kevin. for joining us today. I appreciate your friendship. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Let me share the three takeaways that are kind of jumping out at me as I sit here. Number one, that it's neither success nor failure that ultimately define us. That's a pretty radical concept for many of you, myself included. Number two, you and me, we're both on a journey. And the journey is to become the best version of us we can be. Stop trying to be somebody else. Discover your gift and be you. And then three, this difference between opportunities and possibilities that so many of us have been, you know, schooled to go out and make it happen rather than open ourselves up, invite and receive divine initiative, divine intention, and divine invitation in our lives. I hope that's what you'll do. Speaking of opportunities, here's one I don't want you to miss. The Navigating North Summit is coming up October 30th through November 3rd. You can get details at navigatingnorthsummit.com. Tom will be one of our guest speakers for that event. Remember, you were meant for more. Why settle for less? If you feel like you don't have purpose at work or you want to clarify your purpose at work, we have a free five-day email course you can take with daily challenges and action steps to help bring the meaning you are meant to have in your everyday life. Go to kevinmonroe.com slash workpurpose.